to my heart today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 be the text that God has given us today and focusing on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I will say this, in case I don't get to tell you, my dad laying on his deathbed yesterday morning gave a word to the church and told me to tell, he said, you tell the church, tell every one of them that I love them. And so just before he passed away, he wanted to be sure that you knew that he loved you and that he loved this church and that he would see you on the other side. And that those are his words. And I'll tell you this, you'll, at the funeral, we'll play it for you. He had an oxygen mask on and I recorded him. I said, Daddy, I said, do you have any last words that you'd like to give to the church whenever I'm preaching your funeral? He said, yeah, tell them to sit up, shut up, and listen up. <laughs> That's what he said. I'm just, uh, I'm just a messenger, just passing along the message. And so we'll play that video for you on Tuesday. So that was his last wish. So please grant his last wish. Amen. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's pray. Father, we sure love you. We thank you that you've done for us what no one else could do. And certainly we could not save ourselves and Lord, we've come short of your glory. And uh, Lord, thank you in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And I'm glad that you commended your love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We pray now, Lord, that you'll bless the remainder of the service, bless the preaching of the word of God, and those truths this morning that we'll find in the scripture that deals with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Lord, that you'll illuminate those truths in our mind, illuminate them in our hearts. Somebody watching or listening or sitting in this congregation today that is unsaved and never trusted you as their Savior, they're, Lord, weighing it out and considering it. Maybe they're, uh, Lord, a skeptical uh, about the resurrection of Christ. I pray you'd remove all that from them today. Reveal to them your lovely Son, the Savior of the world, their Creator that died for their soul, that died to forgive their sin. I pray for the salvation of the lost soul that could be in our midst today. Again, we love you. Pray that you'll be honored and glorified in this service. In Jesus Christ's precious and holy name, we ask it. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll just start in verse 1. We'll not preach the entirety of this chapter, but we'll stay mostly in this chapter this morning. We'll exempt just kind of the middle of the chapter, grab the first part of the chapter and the latter part of the chapter. And so the Bible says in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. He's talking to the Corinthians here, and he's talking to a bunch of people that have believed the gospel. And I believe that's what I'm preaching to this morning, a bunch of people who have believed the gospel. People saved by the grace of God. And not only saved, but standing in the grace of this gospel. It's one thing to be saved and another thing to be saved in standing. God wants you to do everything you can to stand by the grace of God. And if you stand, it will be the grace of God that helped you stand. And so he is telling them as he wants to reiterate the truth of the resurrection. Because in the church at Corinth, You'll find in this chapter that there are some in the church that are saying 
after you die, even though you're saved after you die, that there is no resurrection. Because Paul is rebuking them with truth and he says, how can there even be some among you that say there is no resurrection? Now, they had to believe that Jesus was resurrected in order to be saved. So they believed that Jesus resurrected, but they didn't believe anybody else was going to resurrect. And you want to know probably who was in this midst that got saved? There's a group of people in the Bible that Jesus constantly dealt with and asked him questions. They were called the Sadducees. And the Sadducees did not believe in any resurrection. And that's why they're Sadducee. Amen? Sadducees. And if you don't believe there's a resurrection, I'm telling you, friend, you're, you're, you're miserably sad this morning. There is no hope for you if there is no resurrection, there is no hope. But if you don't believe in a resurrection, no wonder you have no hope in your heart and in your soul. But I want you to know that Jesus is our hope because he right now has resurrected and is seated at the right hand, the majesty of the throne of God on high. He's at the right hand of his father this morning. He's there. He is alive. So there were some that were telling the church, there's no hope after death. We're saved. We die. I mean, it's one thing to be saved and not going to hell, but let, let me say to you, Jesus did not just save you and deliver you from hell, and when you die, you just go out of existence. Your soul is going to live forever. Your soul is going to live forever. Saved or lost, your soul is going to live unto eternal life, or it's going to abide in eternal damnation. Your soul is never going to die. Soul is going to live for eternity one way or the other. But hell and hell, there's a resurrection of, of damnation. There's a resurrection of eternal life. There is life to be found in Jesus Christ. You may be sitting here this morning. You may come here full well saying to yourself that you're not a Christian. You're not a believer. You may have came to appease a family member. You may have came because you feel like it's your moral duty to maybe at least show up to church at least once a year at Easter, even if you didn't show up at Christmas time. You may come just to, to just see what it's all about. But I'm going to tell you, friend, this is more than just something to come observe for one or two hours. This is something to live for eternity. This will give you something worth living for for the rest of your days here on this sin-stricken, ungodly dirt ball we're living on. And it will give you something to look forward to in eternity. I could not imagine. I could not imagine going through what you have gone through losing a loved one and going through what we just went through losing our dad, though we didn't lose him, amen. We lost him here, but he ain't lost. He's very much found in Jesus. I said a minute ago, he's more alive than he'll ever be. And as a preacher said one time, if they ever tell you I'm dead, don't believe a word of it. Don't believe a word of it. Though he's dead, yet shall he live, Jesus said, because Jesus is a resurrection. Jesus told Martha, you know your brother's going to live again. She said, Lord, I know that he's going to live again at the last day in the resurrection. He said, oh, though he's dead, Martha, he's very alive. Because I am the resurrection and the life. And see, if you're saved, you already have resurrection life. He shall quicken our mortal bodies. I mean, we already have life because of him. There very well could be somebody sitting here this morning, you're not saved. 
You say, you say, preach, I, I just, you know, that thing about Jesus dying, I can believe that. Think about him getting up out of the grave. I just, I just can't believe that. You understand there's not just one witness said he's getting. Now, if Jesus said it himself, that's enough. When he got up out of the grave and Mary was at the tomb and she turned around and supposed him to be the gardener and he just called her name and said, Mary, and she turned around and said, Rabboni. I mean, she said, Master. She said, Rabbi. I mean, here he is, her master and her Lord. Let me tell you something, friend. You'll never convince Mary he wasn't alive. Then the Bible said he was seen of James and of Cephas. He was seen of the twelve. Paul said, last of all, on the road to Damascus, he was seen of me. And then the Bible said he was seen of 500 brethren. 500 eyewitnesses at one time that said Jesus is alive. He appeared in the upper room with the twelve. He appeared with them and they all saw him and handled him and, and they all touched him. And even the next Sunday, amen, he showed up for Thomas. He said, reach hither thy finger, put your hand to my side and thrust you, put your fingers in the print of the nails in my hand. You know what Thomas said? My Lord, my God. Amen. He's alive. And I want you to know that, that if all of us here this morning inside this church building, saw something, every one of us witnessed in every court of the law of the land when we all sat on the stand and gave our testimony, swore an oath to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. And every one of us testified in the court of law. You know what would happen on the jury when it's all said and done? They would all say, there's enough witnesses, no doubt that happened. They saw it undeniable it go down it go down in the record forever the witnesses made it so and you know what happens whenever you see something and everybody sees it and everybody tells about it you know what takes place all of their stories will all validify the other story you remember what happened about the witnesses that got together to talk about jesus try to condemn him none of their stories matched Hey, when everybody's lying, you'll know it's a lie. When everybody gives up, they all tell they saw the same thing and it's all different and the story's different and it's all confused. You know what the court of the law would say? <laughs> Not enough proof. And in a court of law, they would say, that did not happen. All the witnesses did not agree, throw it out of court. You know what they'd realize too? Perjuries happen in court. Friend, there's no perjury in this thing. None whatsoever. Now, I want you to know, undeniably, undeniably, right now, you leave here today and you know what you say? Hey, Pastor Williamson preached a service today. And somebody goes out and says, I don't believe a word of it. Oh, no, no, you should have been there. He preached today. Well, who else can I ask? And you have a roll and you have a list of everybody's name, everybody's telephone number. And you say, what did he preach on? You say, oh, he preached out of 1 Corinthians 15. I don't believe it. I hear somebody else. And everybody you called told you the same story. And they didn't all talk together. They didn't all get together in a huddle and say, now we need to get our story straight like some of y'all did. <laughs> Mom and dad's fixing to ask us what we did. Now, what do we do? Kind of get you all stored together to lie about it. But you know what? Somewhere in the middle of that, it breaks down, doesn't it? Breaks down. But there'd be enough proof to the world for you to testify 
from here on out to the day you die, that on this Lord's Day, Pastor Williamson preached that Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. And you would dogmatically, if they argued with you about it, you'd say, you argue all you want, it's true. I was there. I saw him. I heard him. I shook his hand. Now, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. But why in the world do you not believe in a resurrection? That Jesus is alive. Jesus is not dead. Jesus did not just die. Jesus rose again bodily in a body of flesh and is seated in a body of flesh in heaven at the right hand of the Father. He rose again to give you justification in life. He died for your sins. But if there is no resurrection, you're still in your sins. You're still in your sins. Now let me say this to you as we read this chapter a little bit. Look at it. Verse 2, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Verse 3, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. You can look in that, Brother Rick read Isaiah 53 this morning. Psalm chapter 22, Psalm 69, all the Psalms, all the laws, all the prophets. You can read how they had testified in the book of Acts chapter 3 talked about these things are written that Jesus was going to suffer. Him dying on a cross and piercing his hands and his feet was written about in the book of Psalms. Isaiah 53. And he fulfilled, his death was a fulfillment of every scripture that would prophesy how he would die. And the scripture did not only prophesy of his death, the scripture prophesied of his resurrection, that he's alive. And so according to the scripture, what is the gospel? That he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's why we're meeting today on the Lord's Day. On Sunday, this is the Christian Sabbath. The reason we're meeting together today instead of on Saturday, which was a Sabbath under the law in the Old Testament Sabbath, we're meeting on the first day of the week because this is the day that Jesus rose up out of the grave. Got up out of the grave. And for those churches out there that don't want to meet on Sunday and they call themselves Sabbath keepers, they're not keeping this Sabbath like they ought to be. Amen. Jesus rose the first day of the week. And so he died for our sins. That's every one of us included. Your sin. Have any of y'all ever talked to somebody, witnessed somebody before, given the gospel and they told you they weren't a sinner? They've told me that. I've had people literally look me in the face and tell me, I have never lied. And I said, until now, just told a big one. And then someone said, you calling me a liar? And when I'm real spiritual, I say, well, no, the Lord is. And other times I say, yes, I am calling you a liar. Why? The Bible said all men are liars. Jesus died for your sin. What had him crucified is your sin, your transgression, your iniquity. To be specific, your hatred, your adultery, your fornication, your lying, your cursing, your deceit, your stealing, your murder, your, your coveting your neighbor things, whatever they have. You dishonoring your mother, dishonoring your father. It is your sin, your iniquity, your transgression. That he was wounded and bruised. That's why he died. 
You say, what does, it, what does it mean to me that Jesus died? Because he died for you. Died for your sin. Then the Bible said he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Verse 5, that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained unto this present. But some are falling asleep. You know what Paul was telling them? you don't believe me, go ask everybody else. They're still alive. They saw him right here to the church at Corinth. He said, go ask them. Go ask them. Some of them have already fallen asleep in Jesus, but a greater part of them are still alive. He said, I'm not the only one telling you he resurrected. There was many that could tell him. Verse 7, after that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. For I'm the least of the apostles, and not a meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Wherefore, whether, therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believe. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? He said, if you're going to teach there's no resurrection, then that applies all the way across the board. There's no resurrection. So for you, for those that will believe there is no resurrection, is actually to say it's a lie that Jesus rose from the dead. It's to nullify the resurrection of Christ. And Paul is rebuking them. Paul is reasoning with them. He's, and he's beginning to teach them and show them that there is a resurrection and that Jesus is resurrected. If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. Do you understand, do you understand the severity? Our whole Christian faith, the Bible, everything we do, the existence of this church, missions, everything is hinged on that one truth. Jesus rose again. Because if all he did was die, then all we have is a message of death and no hope. The only way he could give us life is that he himself, because it was not possible that he should be holding of death, and by the grace of God, he tasted death for every single man, the Bible says. And he wasn't able to be holding of death. He's the prince of life. The only way he can give us life is if he's alive himself to give us life and to give us justification of life. So the Bible said our preaching's in vain. Every message that I have preached since God has saved me is worthless if Jesus did not resurrect. Every church building that has ever been built was worthless. Every Bible that has ever been printed was a waste of money, good paper, good ink, and good time. 
Every website ever built, every mission field that's ever been gone to, everyone that has ever died and been martyred for the cause of Christ. I read just this morning about a whole family, seven sons and a mother that were all persecuted and all of them gave their life. Their tongues were cut out. Their body, the members of their body were cut off alive in front of each other because they would not renounce Christ. And every one of them rebuked their persecutors. Every one of them said, we have hope in Jesus and you may mar this body, but it shall rise again someday. And when we leave this world, we'll be with Jesus. But when you die, you'll go to hell if you don't get saved. And every one of them watched the other one die and martyred. And the last one stepped forward. And you know what he did? He stepped forward and said, here, here they are. Cut them off. Here's my tongue. Cut it out. Even to the end, the mother gave her life. Let me say, they all died. And the Fox's Book of Martyrs and Martyrs Mira, every bit of it, of every saint of God, every one of the apostles that gave, they all, they died, had their head cut off, drugged behind horses, beat to death with clubs and crucified on a cross and crucified up down and thrown in boiling pots of oil and water. Everything that every Christian has ever suffered is worthless. Worthless. Every dime you've ever put in an offering plate for the gospel to go forward was all in vain. Every message, every preach for the last 2,000-something years was just a waste of good air. But on the contrary, my friend, it's all been absolute glorious because it is the absolute truth. The greatest message ever given, the greatest name ever spoken off the tongue and the lips of of man, the name of Jesus. The Bible said there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. It is the greatest name not only in this world, but the greatest name in the world to come. Because at that name, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, is what your Bible says. Well, listen to me this morning. You're sitting here. Dear soul, I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm begging God for you. I beg this morning. If somebody's here that's not saved, somebody here that's not born again, some young person that doesn't know Christ, because your days are numbered. It's appointed for you to die. It, we, didn't know, we knew my dad was sick, but we didn't know we was going to get a phone call yesterday morning that yesterday was a day. That was it. Say your goodbyes. It's over. You'll never hear his voice again. He'll never squeeze your hand again. You'll never hear him say, I love you again. You'll never pick up a phone and call him. I mean, those days are done until we see him on the other side. You don't know what tomorrow may bring. You don't know what a day may bring forth. Don't be so foolish to say, well, not today, but maybe someday. Don't procrastinate when it comes to the eternal state of your soul. And for any of you that think you're going to make it because you're good enough, forget it. Any of you think some preacher sprinkled a little bit of water on top of your head and that's enough, forget it. Any of you think because you've been baptized and that was enough, forget it. None of those things save you. 
Your works can't save you. Being born a church member can't save you. Being belonging to a certain denomination can't save you. It takes Christ and Christ alone. Trust in his death, his burial, his resurrection. Faith in his blood. Repentance of your sin and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. You can be saved today. If you're not saved, let today be the day of your salvation. Everything you've been living for, that's in vain. Your life, if you're not saved, it's all been in vain. And you don't even know what life is till you have Christ in your heart. That's when you start living. That's true life. I'm telling you this morning, I can smile about my dad leaving this world. I have rejoiced. I have rejoiced over the homegoing of some of your loved ones and your grandparents and your, your siblings and and your children, I mean, church members, I don't know, five, six, seven, we lost over the last couple of years. And we can stand in hope. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. When Jesus comes back, they're coming back with him. And their decayed bodies getting up out of the ground and being glorified. I mean, resurrection morn's going to happen. I marvel that God's grace... My dad dies yesterday. And man, our heart's on the resurrection today. When he passed away yesterday, I said, Lord, you're so kind. It's worth thinking about tomorrow and thinking about you and your resurrection. And know because of that, that's why we have hope he's going to be resurrected. That's why. And so here the Bible said that if Christ is not raised, our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Let me say something to you right now. If there's no resurrection... You're better off just getting up right now, leaving. Let me tell you this. If there was no resurrection, I was sitting in a church and I really believed, I'd just get up and walk out. I'd waste no more of my time listening to this bunch of lies. Listen to that preacher tell me something that ain't so. Man, if there's no resurrection, I'd rather be fishing this morning. Playing golf. If there's no resurrection, we'll at least take up a love offering, amen. <laughs> Do something good. I'm telling you, I wouldn't. I, I, if there's no resurrection, this is a waste of time. The biggest waste of time. You say, preacher, why do you go to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, revival meeting? You'll drive three and four hours, go here. Somebody preach and drive three and four hours, come back home. You want to know why? Because it's true, friend. It's true. Jesus is alive. Amen. He's alive. He wants to give you life. The Bible says, yay. Here's what he said, just what I'm telling you. If there's no resurrection, you're looking at one of the biggest liars that's ever stood before men. I'm, I'm, I'd be nothing but a liar. Yea, and we are false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. You're yet in your sins. You know what that means if there's no resurrection? There's no hope for any of us. There's no way, no, there's nothing that man can do or conjure up or invent that can forgive your sins. There's nothing. There's only one thing. 
Scarcely, God scarcely came up with a way. Jesus is the way. His death, burial, resurrection. That's the, in, in the infinite mind of God and all of God's wisdom and knowledge, there was only one way to redeem man. God himself had to take man's place. God himself, the only righteous one, had to die in your place. Place your sins on him. Die for them. Thank God he had the power to take his life up again and resurrect by his own power because he paid the penalty for sin. And if you'll trust him as, as your savior, then your sins get placed on Christ's account. That's mercy. You're talking about a loving God. I'm talking about your God. So I'm not saying, preacher, oh, he's still your God. Oh, I worship another God. No, he's still your God. He's still, oh, well, I don't believe in him. He's still your creator. Can't take that away. He made you. I'll never serve him. Doesn't matter. You'll confess someday who he is. You the bow your knee here. You confess with your tongue here. You exercise your will toward a holy God here. Or you'll do it someday. You wish you had done it when you was here. Preaching's in vain. Faith's in vain. All of it's in vain if there is no resurrection. Then the Bible says you're yet in your sins. So they also which are fallen asleep in Jesus are perished. Everyone that died before us, gone, not in heaven, perished if Christ didn't resurrect. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. Do you understand that? If all we had is Jesus came down to this earth and lived and we just had hope in him only while he was alive on this earth, then when he died, that's it, he perished and he's not alive you know what the Bible said about us? Of all men, now you said a mouthful. I've met some miserable people in this life. I mean miserable. People living under bridges. People eating out of trash cans. People, I mean, I've seen them, listen to, I've seen them dig through trash cans. And we had to dig through looking for something we thought got thrown away yesterday. At the hospital, digging through a few trash cans. And I'm going to tell you something. That was nasty. I didn't feel like I could wash my hands enough. Some of it was just cups and tissues where people blew their noses and wiped their mouths and dirty plate and food. There was nothing tempting in me to pick up a plate and run my finger around and go. (laughs) What? I've seen people do it. I've seen people go in trash cans, pick up beer bottles. I've seen it in my own eyes and try to get the last drop. Don't care who drunk out of it. They didn't care how long it's been in the trash can. Miserable, miserable, miserable. We could talk about miserable people across the world and the earth, just miserable. And if Christ is not risen again, the Bible said that you, brethren, are of all men on planet earth. Most miserable. Tells you how important the resurrection is. And let me say, we need to be telling everybody he's alive. We need to be testifying of it. Somebody was telling me, I can't remember who's telling me a couple days ago. Talking about an interview of an atheist. Interview an atheist. Maybe one of y'all, I can't remember. But they interviewed an atheist in this this atheist was talking and he's, he's saying, look, I don't believe your gospel message. But he gave the gospel message. He exactly what Christianity believed. And he said that, he said, 
if Jesus died, if He shed His blood, He's the Savior, He's the Creator, He rose again from the dead. If you don't have Him as your Savior, that you perish and go to hell forever. He said, I don't believe any of that. And you could have got saved off what the man said about Christianity. But here's what he said. He said, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that and not tell them? How much, brethren, do you have to hate somebody to know Jesus is the only way to keep a man out of hell? Jesus' blood is the only thing that forgives sin. That the resurrection is the only thing that gives hope and eternal life. Without Christ, a man dies and perishes forever. And this atheist said, how much do you Christians have to hate somebody to not tell them if you really believe that's true? Here's the question. Who have you told lately? have you testified to tell him Jesus is alive? If I believe, listen to me, if I believe yesterday, if I was at the bedside of my dad who was dying and knew he was lost and on his way to hell, I, I, could not, I, I couldn't even, I don't think I could have dealt with it. Thinking he's fixing to depart this life and he's going to go to hell. But I wasn't there trembling and fearful and, and thinking about eternity, him going to hell. We were there rejoicing and hey, we sang the praises of God and we read scripture and we rejoiced. And as he died, listen to me, here's a blessing. As we were holding his hand, we were around the bed. He was taking short breaths. As we were praying, as I was praying over him, thanking God for his life and his testimony and our family and for God's grace through all this. In the middle of the prayer, the nurse come walking in. He took his last breath while we was praying. She said, in the middle of you praying is when he passed. I'm glad that I'm not looking at a bunch of miserable people this morning. I'm happy in Jesus alone. I want to tell you, friend, this Sunday morning, uh, to be in church smiling, praising God, rejoicing in eternity, rejoicing in the future. We really are, listen to it, we really are going to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus, with all of our loved ones and the angels of God. Let me tell you something. I cannot wait to walk up and look at a chair but not be scared to death of that thing. Man, a cherub, four faces, all those wings and all those eyes and their hands and their, and, and, and their wings and under their wings and on their backs and those seraphims. Man, I'm going to tell you, I can't wait to get on one of them glorified horses that Jesus is coming back on. Man, I want to see them. You know what I believe? I don't know for sure, but I do know that John said, I saw everything, heaven and earth, under the earth, all creatures, everything. They were praising and blessing God. The animals are going to be talking. Hey, Balaam's ass is not going to be the only donkey that we ever get to hear talk. I'm telling you. I mean, maybe you walk up to one of those horses and he says, you want to ride? Get on. Praise God. I'm talking about a ride. This stuff's real. This ain't no fairy tale, man. Heaven's real. What God's created is real. I mean, I think we'll probably first 10,000 years just be in awe at what he's created. Be in awe of his creation on the other side. 
I mean, what that's like to close your eyes in death, take your last breath and open your eyes up in the presence of the Lord Jesus uh, and seeing the Father sitting on the throne. I believe the same way that when Lazarus went into paradise, looked over and Abraham is holding Lazarus in his bosom. I believe that Jesus welcomes home every child of God, that you would see him in the arms of Jesus. I told my dad, here's what I told my dad. I said, now, dad. I said, I know I tell the Lord every day, thank you for dying for me and saving me. But when you get there, will you please tell him personally, I said, thank you. (laughs) Tell him I love him. I know he knows it, but you tell him that I asked you to tell him I love him. I'm telling you, this thing's real. Of all men, if there's no resurrection, you're of all men most miserable. We'll pick back up tonight. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed.